I want to wrap up our conversation of winning in two worlds with that reminder that we started it out with that phrase so many people know, uh, most of us know, and that is in the world, but not of the world. And even though it's a bit of an oversimplification of a prayer that Jesus did in John uh, 17, there is truth to the idea that we are living uh, with feet planted in two spaces. The one is kingdom and the other is current, the space we occupy right now. And, and this morning, I want to talk to you about taking care of the, the calling and the business that God has called us to take care of. And, and perhaps uh, in order to do that, I may have to take you to a few examples in Scripture uh, to help you. In Hebrews chapter 11, there's a very famous passage of Scripture, but the end of it is not often read. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32 says this, And what more shall I say? I don't have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and about David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the, fu uh, the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword and whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful even in battle. You know, what I love about this passage of scripture is that there is a long list of names Plus, the author says, even more people I don't have time to talk about, who even though they faced many things, the end of their story is that they overcame, they conquered, they were victorious. God did mighty things in them and through them. And I wanted to start out this morning's conversation with the idea that every believer has in your journey a God-ordained victory waiting for you. It's not for the super Christian or the super apostle or the overcommitted that, that, that names we, we, we don't even know and circumstances we can't even mention in this passage of scripture remind us that God has destined every one of us to win. And I don't think it's biblically, hum, hum, it's not biblical humility to want to be a humble loser. I think it's biblical humility to want to be a humble winner. And there is a difference, you know. There is a difference of saying, well, I'll accept it. I'll just humbly accept my lot and get through each day and I'll give thanks to the Lord that I'm still alive. Although that sounds deeply spiritual. Actually, each day is not supposed to be just thank you for another day. Each day is supposed to be this is the day that the Lord has made. He has made it for me. He has made me for the day. Uh, my intention isn't just to get through another day or clock up another day. My intention is to win this day for the Lord. Can you say amen to that? I think there's a mindset there that perhaps needs an adjustment. In Luke chapter 19, there is an awesome parable. And um, especially if you're in business, this parable is, is exceptional. It says uh, this, that there was a certain nobleman, a story is really about Jesus and us, but he tells it in a parable. There was a certain nobleman who went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So it's, it's Jesus coming and then going to heaven to establish our place and then returning. So that's the story. But in between, he says, so he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas, which is a coin, gave it to them and said, do business till I come. But the citizens of the world hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. That's how the world responded to Christ. And then we, the servants. 
And he calls them together on his return and he uh, asks them how well they did business. Uh, and in verse 19, it says, uh, to whom he had given, uh, so when they had, sorry guys, go back to that previous verse. Um, so, so when he had returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded the servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And, you know, there's something powerful about this verse that reminds us that while Jesus is away and whatever your view is about his second coming and whether you think it's nearly the last day or it is the last day or it's the 11th hour of the last day, I've heard so many versions of that. No matter what you think about that, in between, Jesus said, make gains and do business. Now, that term gains has become a gym term, right? It means, you know, you go to gym and you, you have gains. Well, it's actually a biblical term as much as it is contemporarily a gym term. Uh, it's telling us while Jesus is away and we are not yet in our heavenly kingdom inheritance, we should not lose territory, but we should make gains. That we should multiply, increase, subdue, conquer, uh, handle the fiery darts, win in the battles, overcome the emotional strife, and each day we should say, I won this day for the Lord. Can you say amen to that? Is that a clappable moment? I think Sometimes we tend to forget that while, while Jesus is away, his intention, physically, he's in our hearts, his intention was not for us to sit in a waiting room for his return like lost children. His intention was go and do well. Uh, do business, uh, Jesus says, in the meantime. In fact, this term of doing business is an interesting term because faith, church, is not a business but life is. Life, in a way, the Bible says, is taking care of business. Taking care of business. You know, we all have to, at some point, just take care of business. Whether that is something practical, like at home. Uh, I, I have a neighbor who has the, uh, across the road. I'm not sure if they're listening or perhaps are in the service. I bless you with the blessings of the Lord. They have the worst slope to mow of any slope I have ever seen. It's just terraced over like easily three floors. And I know that it's a tough uh, piece of uh, uh, ground to mow because they don't do it often. They wait until really their children disappear while playing. And I think when they can't find their children anymore, I envisage that the husband and wife turn to each other and they say, look, I think we should mow the lawn now, babe. The middle one is missing. Again, I just, I just picture because it just gets out of control. And then the great challenge of the mowing is basically standing at the top of the hill and trying not to let the lawnmower like an unruly dog lead them. You know those people who claim their dogs are well behaved, but their one arm is longer than the other because the dog has... I don't even, I'll just confess it right here. I don't walk my pit bulls. I, I'm not even going to, I'm just going to confess it. I did it once. Somebody took a photo and sent it to me and I looked a fool. One dog had gotten, that's just this, what it just looked. One dog had gotten between the legs and I had the leash over there and the other dog. And my only hope was perhaps I would be taller when this event was over. 
But other than that, it just wasn't working for us to use a contemporary phrase. Uh, I wasn't loving it for us. I thought, let's not. And so I just watched the man sort of fight with the mower to take care of business. Do you know, we have things in our lives that might feel like high hills and tall slopes. And they may be a mission to take care of. But you've got to take care of business before you lose something valuable in the untended garden of the life that God has given you to take care of. And as you'll discover as we go through the scripture, a lot of people are not taking care of their own business because they're too busy in other people's business. And you need to leave other people's business alone and go and take care of business. If you are not winning, then stop messing other people's victories. (laughs) You'll actually see there are some verses specifically related to that. There is even kingdom business we all have to take care of. It's all part of the equation of why we're here while he's away, is for God to give us an opportunity for us to gain an inheritance. In fact, you know, the Bible says the man who got uh, 10 minas gained 10 more, uh, got one mina, gained 10, another one got five, another one. uh, And Jesus said, then you have 10 cities and five cities. We seem to forget that winning in a small thing gives us the spiritual authority to gain a big reward. Big rewards are won in small victories. Not in big victories. Big rewards are won in small victories. I do have to comment to those watching online that it is raining in Mandela Bay and it hasn't rained in about seven years in Mandela Bay. So we're receiving it as a... I love that we're in church while this happens. I think it's wonderful. Uh, I know the Western Cape, you've got lost rain. I know KZN, I know some people watching um, in Toti. Uh, some people sent me photos of the dam in, in Midmar overflowing but you've been having it. We haven't been having it. We are receiving it today in Jesus' name. While Jesus was here, he also took care of business. Although he wasn't in heaven and in authority in the same way while he was here. Look at Luke chapter uh, two and verse 49. It says, uh, why why were you searching for me? Uh, uh, He asked his parents. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's? Oh, I like that verse. Jesus said, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know where I'd be? I'd be where? My father's. If you're looking for me on Sunday, you're going to find me where? I'm just quoting the verses here. No? I'm trying to be a biblical Christian. That's all I'm trying to do. Uh, sometimes you might find me online, but where? At my... Okay, so that's, that's the NIV, but I also like the King James. It says this. And he said to them, why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's? So you've got at least two kinds of business to take care of, your personal business and the kingdom business. And if you're going to be blessed, you've got to win in both worlds. You know, some Christians know how to praise up a storm, but don't know how to pay their bill. Oh, that's a little bit too T.D. Jakesy. Let me just... Bring it back a little. But you know, you can't, listen, if prayer and praise won't fix it, then you need a plan to conquer it. If prayer and praise won't fix it, then you've got to come with a plan to conquer it. 
Can you say amen? Study how many things in the Old Testament the children of Israel prayed, and then they fasted, and then they prayed, and then they fasted because the enemy was coming. But then, very often, a plan. You should take 300 men, men who drank water a certain way, men who carried themselves a certain way. Go with a plan, surround them, put lights in a bowl, break the bowl, let the light shine, come with a plan, implement a strategy. We've, sometimes, you know, you've got to put an amen on your prayer and then you've got to get up off the chair and then you've got to go win. Is that an okay thing to say? I mean, it's not... Or one or it's winning in both. You see, I don't stop praying uh, and take matters only into my own strength, but, but I don't only pray and pretend I've got no strength. While I'm away, Jesus says, do business. Win, conquer, like those listed in Hebrews 11, these endless names of people who won battles. It doesn't deny there will be a battle. You're just going to win it. It doesn't deny that you're going to have a fiery season. You're just going to quench it. It doesn't deny that you're going to have injustice, but it says they administer justice. It doesn't deny that there might be a defeat moment, but it concludes they conquered their defeats. You've got to put your name on that list. You've got to put your name on that list. It should read in heaven, uh, not to mention Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth and George and David and Samuel and Vince and Mike and put your name on the list who, who saw fire and won it and saw a fight and beat it and saw brokenness and healed it and saw injustice and administer justice. There has to be a win in the story, because it's a win for Christ. God also measured me out. You know, uh, every now and then you almost have to go back to the beginning of the Bible and remember some of the original, the fundamental stories. And when God created the earth, he said it was good. Day by day, he said it's good. He created man, he said it was very good. When you hear that God said it was very good, what do you picture? Do you picture that the Lord said, look, that's a good nose? The way I did that Greek nose on George is a very good nose. What, 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 did you, what do you picture, you know? Do, do you picture, well, that's a good height. Any more would be unnecessary. What do you picture? Do, do, do you imagine that much hair and no more? And it can recede as the years go by. He doesn't need to. Well, when I picture the earth and it is good, I picture something like this. And I'm coming to a very important point on this. Uh, when God created the day and the night and he set in place the orbit of the planets around a sun and he set in place a relationship between the sun and the moon and how they worked together and how the seasons worked with the atmospheres and how the ground worked with the water and how the seeds worked within the ground. God said the way all of this works is good. You got there first. So, oh, that's good. And then he got the animals in place and he said, well, if we only have these animals, they're going to take over. We need animals that can keep those animals in check. The way that balances, that's very good. I like that. That's very good. That worked well for me. And then we're going to have some small creatures that, the, you know, the humans will like. And then we're going to have some small creatures that the humans will be terrified of. And the way it all works together, you know what I'm talking about. 
it's good. When God said you're very good, he not only meant your stature and your dimensions, the way you work in the relationship between your life on earth and your responsibilities, the challenges, but the weapons, the gifts, but the opportunities, the connection between the people and the place, the date and the time. God looked at it and he said, oh, that's good. Now that's very good. And you know, we spend all our time talking about how part of that isn't good. Well, I'm born in the wrong time. I'm born the wrong way. Um, I don't have the skill I need. Other people have other talents. I have this. I don't have that. Instead of stepping back and saying, for what the Lord had in mind, it's very good. You see, you have the tools you need for the fight God has for you so that you can gain the victory God has in mind for you. The person next to you isn't fighting the fight you're fighting, so they don't need the tools you've got. And you won't need the tools they've got if you're not fighting the fight they're fighting. Some people know how to pray for three hours. That's the kind of fight they've got. Don't judge them. But also don't try to make everybody else mind your own. You know, some people just pray in a minute. That's the kind of fight they need. I'll never forget, I told this story the other day. Keep an eye on the time. Years ago at the university, I, I had a student leader who was in charge of the prayer and intercession team. She was a power prayer warrior. My goodness. Before the service for two, three hours, she'd come to the venue and pray. And then 20 minutes before the service, she'd have some people join her and they'd pray. So one day I thought, <laughs> crazy idea. Why don't you open the service in a prayer, power prayer? You know, you don't, you be careful where you take people out of their comfort zone. You put them in another place. I mean, it, it's just, it scared the demons and the visitors right out of the... But she said something I will never forget the rest of my life. She prayed for a couple of hours before the service. She got up. She did a very nice prayer, actually. She said, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lives will be changed and demons will flee and people will be healed. And then she had a one phrase at the end that stuck in my mind. She said, and devil, we already spoke earlier. I'm just reminding you. Amen. I took a moment just to confess my sins there. I thought, I, I don't know what's go, what happened before the service, but I don't want it to happen to me after the service. So I just accepted. You see, so, some of you are in fits of laughter. Uh, you see, uh, some people have different fights to fight. And so they have different gifts uh, to connect with the fight they've got. It's very important. We mind our own business. We do it well. We win. We encourage other people, but don't try and involve them in our business and don't get involved in theirs. When it comes to the matters of my making gains on the earth and my doing my father's business. You see, one person's commitment to his father's business, his heavenly father's business, is to serve on Sunday. Another person's commitment is to come every Sunday. Another person's commitment is to be online and share it. Hey, like and subscribe, YouTube. Whatever the commitment is, fulfill it and win in your calling. John chapter 15. 
God not only measured me out and appointed me for a time and a season, but God tells me when we get to understand what our business is, both in life and in kingdom, we become friends with the Father. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Something changes in the relationship of things when you take care of business and when you take care of kingdom business and your personal business. I do think that two years on after a pandemic, there are some things we need to take care of. There's some business we need to take care of. Biblical business and personal business. Some of you who are online will find your way at some stage in a building. You'll hug someone, you'll smile for someone, you'll sing louder than the band and we'll be taking care of business. Others of you live in places where that's not possible or you're in a condition where that's not possible and you'll stay online and you'll take care of business that way. Whatever we need to do, we need to step it up and take care of what God has called us to take care of. There are a couple of things to bear in mind. And in the five minutes I have left, I'm going to preach the rest of my 25-minute message. (laughs) Three principles on how to take care of business, both biblical and personal. First of all, God wants you to multiply things. Multiply. You know, the principle of multiplication is so much stronger than the principle of addition. Adding is slow growth. Multiplying is escalated growth. I've learned more and more how powerful it is when you duplicate things and multiply them out rather than just slowly, incrementally take care of things. Multiply. There are businesses in this church, in, 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 uh, online, in listening at Kingfisher FM on radio, that your next step is a multiplication step, not just a little addition step. Multiplying is simply placing things in the hands of God and trustworthy people beyond your own capability. You need to let things grow bigger than you can handle so that God can be your partner and the gifts of the Spirit can be your resource. While you don't need the gifts and you don't need God to partner with you, you haven't reached the point where things are big enough yet for you to trust Him. Multiply. Mark chapter 4 says, still other seeds fell on the, on the good soil. Remember things that are good? And it came up, grew, produced the crop. Some multiplied 30, some 60, some 100 fold. It's a time to multiply. For me personally, even practically, while our churches are listening, our leadership team and I uh, and the pastors, we're on a journey to answer the question, how do you raise servant leaders in every church that fulfill roles similar to deacons and elders as a language you would have heard from in the past, but is certainly in the Bible? How do you multiply love, concern, compassion, and care? How do we make sure that at every one of our churches and online, when you show up, you've got somebody friendly, somebody eager to welcome you in, make a cup of coffee and make sure we're not so busy doing other things that we can't take care of you. Multiplying out what leadership looks like is part of God's calling on our lives. It means you have to trust beyond your own ability. Then the second responsibility you need to take care of, you need to multiply things. 
The second thing you need to take care of is you have to simplify things. It's part of your biblical duty to take care of business. Everything wants to crowd out, clutter, or complicate your life. I hate the term, it's complicated. Well, hate is a strong word. I, I, I just like, I, I rebuke, let's get charismatic here. I rebuke the term, it's complicated. Now all of a sudden, business is complicated, your church life is complicated, your relationship life is complicated, your Bible study is complicated, your living uh, setup is complicated, your car arrangement is complicated. Can you simplify things? Because while they are complicated, you are not taking care of business. I just want you to know that. Every person in a complicated situation is simply in a situation that they haven't yet confronted. That's why it's complicated. They haven't confronted it yet. And you know, we need to simplify things. Here's, here it is. Here's, those, here's that punchline verse that um, uh, tells us to stay in our lane, but in a good way. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 uh, says this. I think it's chapter 3. Uh, chapter 2, I beg your pardon. Verse 1 through 3 says, The first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how for everyone you know. Pray especially for the rulers, their governments to rule well so we can be quiet, so that we can be quietly about our own business of living simply. In humble uh, contemplation, this is the way our Savior uh, God wants us to live. Pray about things, simplify things, live quiet, humble lives. Very powerful. We don't get enough quiet time to be strong to fight the fights. I love 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This one's also from the message. It says, stay calm. Mind your own business. Oh, I just wanted to read that slowly. Do your own job. You've heard all this from us before, but a reminder never hurts. You know, when someone says a reminder never hurts, it hurts. It's like, I'm not going to tell you I told you so. We want you to live in a way that will command the respect of outsiders, not lying around sponging off your friends. Whew. Some people received a word right there. Some parents received a scripture for what they want to use at, at family Bible study tomorrow. You're going to have your first family Bible study. Come children. Let's talk about First Thessalonians. You know, um, we, we've had a period of time where we were almost trained to lie around and wait for something to change. I hope that attitude hasn't become a, a spiritual condition. I have somebody who constantly uh, inboxes me uh, about the end times and about the pandemic and my views on things and little video clips about this and video clips about that. And then in frustration, I, I phoned them. And I said, I, you know, this is a huge flood of information you're constantly sending me, but how are you doing spiritually? If my memory serves, you weren't in church for five years before the pandemic. How is it you're coming with an opinion on how the church should be run? When you've got no skin in the game, you're not involved in the kingdom thing. You see, it's easy. I mean, we ended the conversation well. Well, at least I thought so. Um, 
You see, we have to be very careful. We're not digging up storms, but never have silent time, serving time, spiritful time. You're going to make a tornado if you scratch enough. And tornadoes, you know, there's that very powerful verse that says, sow the wind, reap the whirlwind. If you just, one day it becomes a tornado and it confuses things. I want to encourage you today, be wise about when to be quiet and when to speak out. When to be about my father's business and when to mind my own business. One day, some disciples came to Jesus. I've got one more. It's easy and quick. But one day, some disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, we've met a guy who's casting out demons in your name, but he's not one of us. Should we stop him? And Jesus said, what, what business is it of yours what I am saying to someone else? You do you. That's in the Bible. You didn't know that. You thought it's a TikTok phrase. He didn't say you do you boo, but it was implied. He said just, and then he, he throws in that very powerful verse. He says, I have sheep in other pens you know not of. Oh, they're going to be some sheep in heaven you thought were goats. And you're going to have a house next door to them. Jesus said, don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm big enough. I can handle your destiny and somebody else's destiny. Don't worry about that. Don't get involved. You do what you're called to do. Simplify things. Is that a clappable thing? Simplify. Don't complicate. Finally, multiply, simplify, conquer. Take it to the finish line. Finish what you started. Is this the moment where they pray me off? They, okay. <laughs> Yeah, he was, he was sent up like at the Oscars. Thank you, Pastor. Eventually the mic gets quieter. Eventually they just switch you off. I'm standing here alone. Job chapter 42. I'll, I will end with this. And you're so good at what you do. You can play me off every Sunday. Job 42 says, The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. Job went through everything you can imagine and then some. But he won the day. And he gave glory to God. If I had enough time, maybe I'll do this tonight. I'll, I've got a different message tonight, but I might add this. Do you remember Job's friends who told him, just forget about God. It's costing you too much. The verse before this says, Job called those friends and prayed for them. You knew that, didn't you? He called those same friends and prayed for them. He didn't make a Facebook update about look at me now. Selfie next to the range. He called the friends. He prayed for me. You know why? Because he took care of his financial business and he took care of kingdom business. He said, I don't want my friends to be lost from the kingdom. So I'll take care of kingdom business. I'll take care of personal business. That's winning in two worlds. Can you say amen? Would you give God a shout of praise for that? Let's, let's, let's stand together to pray before things get out of hand. I want to take a moment to pray with you. Do you know that we're almost at 500 people connected live in rooms right now online. That's one of the highest connections live. I know that over uh, 5,000 people will watch the service in the next 24 hours, but just live. God is doing a good thing 
and I want to be part of it. I want to take care of business. Can you say amen? When people say to you, where are you going on Sunday? You say, I'm just taking care of business. When people say, why do you tithe? You say, I'm just taking care of business. When people say, why are you submitting that contract? Your company is not big enough. You say, I'm just taking care of business. Can you say amen to that? It was good for me. It is good. It's going to get gooder. Gooder and gooder. And all the English people can write me. I will reply in Greek. (laughs) Father, we pray that you'll teach us to make great gains. To gain for ourselves an inheritance, to gain for ourselves a victory, to walk in that victory. Would you please teach us to step into each day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. This is our day. When we, when we reflect on things being made good and very good, it's how they all work together. The timing is right. The relationships are right. The destinies are right. And you look at it and go, that's very good. Lord, would you teach us to say, oh Lord, that's very good. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said,